Welcome to the Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. The Fenton children are surprised by thick snow and a last Christmas present. But is there more to the cold than meets the eye? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Snowfall It was Sunday, and also the day to take all the decorations down. And finally, it had started to snow. Not light, wispy snow, not a few flakes drifting, then fading when they hit the floor, but real, deep, settling snow. The type of snow the Fenton children had longed for. And now it had come. Ella, Jasmine, Joel and Tom sat on the back of the sofa looking out of the window. The snow fell so fast, so thick, so heavy. Come and help me, kids. Mum was pulling all the decorations off the Christmas tree and the children left the window longingly, one by one. Ella, the oldest, went first. She had shoulder-length, lightish hair and a serious expression, which sometimes made people think she needed glasses, even though she didn't. She was thoughtful and responsible, and the others looked up to her and laughed at her in turn, which she didn't take too badly either way. But it was no surprise that she was the first to go and help Mum. Next came the youngest, Tom. Tom had been staring out at the snow with wide-eyed wonder, which is not too surprising since he had seen fewer winters than the others and consequently less snow. But he looked at everything this way, for he noticed things and this showed on his face always through his wide eyes. He noticed a flower or a beetle, or a funny-shaped cloud. He enjoyed them thoroughly and made people around him appreciate them too. Of course, you must not think that he wasn't an ordinary little boy who loved playing and shoving and hiding and shouting, because he was. But still, he noticed things. Then came Joel and then came Jasmine. The twins were dark-haired and so was Tom, but otherwise they were totally different from him. Joel never noticed anything because he was always, always thinking about sport. Playing it, watching it, planning it, practising it. It was mostly football, but also cricket and rounders and basketball and just about anything you could make into a competition. And Jasmine rarely noticed anything because she lived life at full speed, moved at full speed and talked and laughed at full speed too. Her hair was pulled back in a ponytail at all times so as not to get in the way. And her clothes often didn't quite match because she was always putting them on in such a hurry. She had lots of friends because she was funny and clever and could even make Ella's friends laugh. 
So Joel raced Jasmine, who raced back, and they flew over to the other side of the room and almost knocked everyone over. Ella and Tom complained, as you might expect, and Mum got up, brushed herself off, and said she was going to make a cup of tea and that they were to finish taking the decorations off the tree themselves and please don't get the needles absolutely everywhere. She looked at the twins while she said this and as you know by now, she was right to do so. They carried on. Ella insisted on doing the most delicate decorations and no one minded. Tom took quite a long time to get them off at all and Jasmine and Joel had soon made it into a race. By the time Mum got back with her tea, all of the decorations were down. Looking at the empty, drooping branches, Tom felt a small swell of sadness. It seemed so terrible for there to be still more winter, and the worst of it, that it was all after Christmas was over. Mum was a good mother, in that she didn't interfere too much with the children, fed them a good mix of things they liked and didn't like, and always had a cuddle ready when it was needed, and almost always knew when that was. They all liked her tremendously, and indeed both Joel and Tom sometimes thought about the monsters they would fight to protect her if it was necessary. It was a great many monsters. Mum called for Dad to come and take the tree outside. It was a big tree and Mum insisted on Dad, though Joel had immediately begun to make the case for the kids to carry it themselves. It was the needles, Mum said. She had no doubt that the children were strong enough. So Dad came in. Dad was tall and dark and strong and each of the kids felt a thrill of joy when his attention was fully focused on them and he became a dragon or a monster or their champion or advisor. He was a man who was either a quiet stream or a roaring waterfall and this suited the kids just fine, though they preferred the waterfall. Of course, he sometimes got cross too and was loud and shouted, but it was usually when they knew they deserved it. So Dad was good too. Dad picked up the tree, dropping lots of needles despite his superior qualities of adulthood. But being an adult, he would probably hoover them up, which was Mum's thought in the first place. Ella thought about this a little bit. But this is when our story really starts. For when the tree was moved, Joel dived down to the floor and fishing under the sofa, which was next to the tree, pulled out a parcel wrapped in brown paper. Another present, he shouted and rolled onto the floor, hugging it as though it were a rugby ball with which he'd just won the cup. A final and last present. Who is it for? Ella asked, trying to spot the label. Jasmine jumped on top of Joel and started to fight him for it, and Tom called, Stop! Stop! Not wanting the paper to be ripped. Because it was a present, the twins did stop, and Joel read the label. To the Fenton children, to warm your winter, from a friend! 
There was a silence. Then Ella waved her arm in a way that everyone understood to mean, open it then, and Joel started ripping the paper. And in his curiosity, Tom didn't even complain that he should have done it because he was the youngest. Inside the parcel was a very old book with a blue leather cover with the title embossed and bits of gold still holding on inside the letters. There was a picture stuck to the front too, in blues and greys, which, though faded, showed a horseman in the distance against the snow. The fifty-year frost, Joel read. Doesn't sound very warming, Jasmine commented. Joel tossed it to Ella. Read it for us, O eldest one. How strange that it didn't say who it's from. We can't even write a thank you letter, Mum said, and left them to it. Ella picked up the book and opened it. Inside, every other page had a picture, and the others only a few words. It's a poem, she said curiously, and Joel and Jasmine groaned. It's not too long, is it? Jasmine said. I hope we don't have to pretend to like it. It's quite short. Listen, I'll read it now, then we don't have to again, OK? Ella was a little entranced by the book and the unknown giver, and of course Tom was too. The twins agreed, though also started up their endless rock-paper-scissors championship as she read so no one knew quite how much they were listening. Ella read, When the Lord and Lady of the Frost, their horses tall and pale, come riding high, proud and cold, the ice and winter shall prevail. Set guardians on compass points when the snow falls thick and deep, hide and gather as the raven cries. Safe your friends and flocks to keep. Next, let each homestead mark its boundary, a sign of warmth against the cold. Hold fast to joy and bring spring hope, lest the frost creep in and take its hold. Forces dark and hard will assail you, making strange the place you live. Faces new will come among you to prove the welcome that you give. Then the flashing, crashing power darkens skies and darkens minds. Then the theft of something precious may be never more to find. Stand strong and keep these words close, guardians for a future thaw. Let not strife nor faith divide you, or winter will last half a century more. To Tom, as Ella read, it seemed that the snow reached inside, as though cold winds blew and strange voices cried out, all in some usually unseen and unheard dimension. And Ella felt strange when she stopped, like when you have drunk a very cold drink and you can feel the chill all down your throat and into your stomach and you become aware for once of your esophagus, which you learned about at school. 
Weird. Look, it's stopped snowing. Let's get the sledges. Joel was on his feet and Jasmine agreed. And Ella and Tom got caught up with the excitement and soon they were bundling into layers and Tom was counting the money he had been saving to buy a new sledge and they were ready to go. Ella slipped the book into her pocket without really knowing why. Mum made them promise to look out for each other, to behave and to be back before tea and they went. The cold was bracing. The snow lay thick and the air rang with excitement. As they walked along their lane to the village it got louder as the other kids were out too in their bright coloured woollens, coats and snowsuits. All were going, of course, to Arley Hill. The other three dragging sledges, they called out to everyone they saw and with those who disliked the snow hiding inside, the whole world seemed full of delight and exultation. The village was transformed into a playground or a scene from a film. They're headed for the shop, stockist of sausages and sledges, compost and paperbacks, rubber bands and slices of marvellous cakes baked by Mrs Brinton, the shopkeeper's wife. As they rounded the corner and came upon it, Tom's heart sank. Until today, there had been a pile of bright blue and red plastic sledges outside the shop. They were £10 each. But now they were gone. Tom, though he knew he was too old for it really, felt a tear threaten in the corner of his eye. Ella put her hand on his shoulder and then Mr Brinton came outside the front of the shop. He gave the Frentons a friendly smile, then came over. Happy snow day, kids. What's wrong, young Tom? Tom felt his face turn red and was glad that Joel answered for him. He saved up for a sledge, but they've all gone. He'll be all right. Mr Brinton looked thoughtful, then grinned. Come with me, he said, and took them to the other side of the shop. He picked up another sledge, a wooden one. The sign said £20. As it's you lot, and as I'm feeling generous... You can have this one for 15. He winked to show that they shouldn't tell anyone. I've only got 10, Tom said in a small voice, but thank you. But Ella spoke over the top of him. I've got five at home, Mr Brinton. Please could I bring it to you tomorrow? Mr Brinton laughed and agreed and took the 10 pounds and insisted on shaking all of their hands, and then they were off again, Tom dragging the beautiful sledge with something like awe. Mrs Mondoli, the oldest person the Fentons had ever seen, lived right next to Arley Hill, and she was out in the garden, very well wrapped up. They all said good afternoon, politely. I haven't seen snow like this in 50 years, she said, eyeing them all. 50 years ago it snowed and snowed and snowed. She paused and looked right at Ella. You all had a good Christmas, did you? 
Got everything you wanted? Any surprises? Ella's insides seemed to jump and her thoughts went straight to the book in her pocket. She had just started to reply when Mrs Mondoli's face changed to a sweet smile and she bid them good afternoon again and disappeared inside. She was like that sometimes. And so the Fentons trudged up the hill, inspecting the trails made already by the other children who were racing down and walking up again, pink-faced and shouting. But as Ella walked up, her heart sank down. She couldn't get the book out of her head. And Mrs Mondoli, 50 years ago, she had said, the 50-year frost. What had the poem said again? When they were up at the top of the hill, she got the book out again and, awkwardly with her gloved hands, read it through, then went back to the first part. Her heart was thudding now. She felt almost as though she could hear it. Set guardians on compass points when the snow falls thick and deep. On the picture page opposite, there was an impressive snowman that looked like a warrior. Ella, come on, first race, Joel called out. And Ella saw the others lined up against the edge with Tom's face shining as he sat on his brand new sledge. She joined them in a hurry and then as they pushed off, they each felt their bodies become something new and fly with their souls across the snow. Ella tumbled off and her thoughts came back straight away. As the others finished, she called a Fenton family huddle and, flushed by embarrassment as well as by the snow, explained. So, I think the poem means that when the snow falls thick and deep, which it has, we need to put guardians on each compass point around the village and the picture is a sort of snowman warrior, so I think we need to build them. You think that's really real, said Tom, remembering how he had felt when she read the poem. Come off it, Joel said, and Jasmine laughed, pushed Joel, then started to run up the hill. Race to the top! Joel scrambled to his feet, but Ella reached for him. I do think it's real. Her serious face had never looked so serious. Or, well... It might be, and building snowmen would be fun anyway. Her last point was rather desperate, she knew. Joel looked at her a moment more, then shrugged. Do what you like, I'm going to sledge. Ella could have cried in frustration as he walked away. She knew it was crazy, but she couldn't shake the feeling that they just had to take the book seriously. She looked round to Tom, who was looking sadly at his sledge. I'll help you, Ella, he said in a small voice. Ella knew where north, east, south and west were from a project they had done at school. The west was the nearest, so they walked there, still pulling their sledges, and then began to build. The whole process was harder than they thought it would be. Ella had imagined making huge warriors with wings and arms. 
but they ended up with a large blob with a sort of head. Tom found sticks for the arms and stones for buttons and eyes. If they were going to make four, they would have to work quickly. North was on the road out of the village and they made a quick snowman on the grassy verge, giving him mismatching sticks for arms. He looked lopsided, but he was done. The South snowman, after their experience, fared a little better and quite discernibly had a head and body and almost legs too. They were getting tired and they could barely feel their hands from the cold, but there was one more snowman to build. Their house was on the far east of the village and so they went there. The sky was beginning to darken. Ella gathered snow. Tom piled it on top of itself and patted it together. It kept breaking off and it was beginning to snow again. I'll help. Ella turned to see the twins coming towards them. Joel started scooping up huge bits of snow with his sledge and Ella gratefully joined Tom to pat it all together. They made a sort of head and then Ella nodded. It was done. Jasmine, who had watched them, walked around to the front and looked at the snowman. She laughed. That's meant to protect us from your evil lord and lady of the frost, Ella. You must be joking. Then she walked over to the snowman and deliberately pushed its head off. And a moment later, Mum stepped out of the door and called them in for tea and they had to go for the importance of the dark forces had not yet grown to eclipse that of their tea time in their minds. Tom poked eyes into what had been the snowman's body before he went in. No one was speaking to Jasmine. Even Joel and Jasmine herself knew that she had gone too far, but she was pretending not to know it and ate her spaghetti with bravado. They watched TV after, and then they went to bed, exhausted. Ella and the twins' bedrooms were in the attic, and they had roof windows. Before climbing into bed, Tom came up to give Ella a big cuddle, and they looked outside. The snow fell thick and fast against the dark sky, and reflected the light from below, making the world strange again. Then... There was something else. Against the sky, over at the top of Arley Hill, there were two silhouettes, and they looked for all the world like two crowned figures on horseback. There was a low whistle. Ella and Tom turned, and Joel stood behind them. They all looked out of the window again, and the figures were gone. Tom was suddenly very glad of their snowman guardians however squat they were. They had done it, and the first day of the snow was over. The end. Thanks for listening. The Fentons are back next week with the next part of their adventure. Tune in for new episodes every Thursday.